Real Nerds is a proud partner of the Denver Podcast Network. In the shadow of the mountains, we speak. How would you define the Mile High Hustle? Well, I don't know what that is. <laughs> Please tell me. Denver's changed a great deal over the past 30 years. 10 years. 5 years. Heck, I've noticed some new things pop up since last month. But if you look a little closer... You can see growing businesses, new ideas, and interesting people making these changes happen. So here it is, a podcast about the businesses, ideas, and people shaping Denver today. And we're calling it Mile High Hustle. Mile High Hustle. Mile High Hustle. The Mile High Hustle is the grind. Working your ass off and networking like crazy in like the real way. They work like crazy so they can get the weekend off to go skiing. I think it's something different than what's going on in places like Silicon Valley. The breaks are better in Colorado. Every other week in the lead up to Denver Startup Week, the largest free entrepreneurial event of its kind, we're releasing a new episode to help you navigate this dynamic new business landscape. How would you define the Mile High Hustle? You know, when I think the word hustle, I think about how hard it is to work to do anything that you've never done before or that no one's done before. Colorado continues to lead the nation in, in innovation and in, in, in change. Mile High Hustle, the Denver Startup Week podcast, is being directed by Denver Startup Week, hosted by myself, Paul Caroli, and produced by House of Pod. Episode one is coming on June 25th. Subscribe now and find it wherever you listen to your podcasts. I appreciate you taking the time, Governor. Well, good luck with your hustle. (laughs) Oh, hi, podcast listeners. There's many ways you can listen to the Real Nerds podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes. You can also subscribe on Stitcher Radio. You want to send us a Twitter message? You can do that. It's so easy. At Real Nerds. Like us on Facebook, Real Nerds Podcast. You can visit our website, realnerdspodcast.com where there'll be a lot of articles for you to not only read, but to listen to our previous shows. You can also call us, 720-6NERDS5. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. Hi, this is Brian. No, that's this is my announcer voice, and you're listening to Real Nerds Podcast. Should I do this as my real self? Oh, shucky darn. Hi, this is Brian Cummings. You're listening to Real Nerds Podcast. Okay, do it straight. Hi, this is Brian Cummings, and actually you are listening to Real Nerds Podcast. Send money and real estate. Welcome to Real Nerds Podcast, unofficially the official podcast of Denver Comic Con 2019 and beyond. I am your host, Brad, and with me this week is... Zach. And... Henry. And this week we saw 8th grade. 8th grade, yeah. No no one else in our group wanted to feel awkward about our younger years, and so we're the brave ones here, gentlemen. So check that out at the end of the episode, um, where we'll review it, and then we'll play the trailer, and then we'll review it with spoilers. What else do we do around here? Uh, gosh, we uh, we review uh, DVD releases, we talk about movie news, uh, what we've been watching, and uh, I think first we'll start with what's been going on around town. Hey, film buddies, follow me around Denver. This week at the drive-in, you can see Hotel Transylvania 3, followed by... My brain just stopped. (laughs) Hotel Transylvania 3, followed by Christopher Robin, and ending with uh, Mission Impossible Fallout. Oh, they got rid of my brain just stopped that quickly, huh? (laughs) That's my favorite sci-fi movie this year. And then uh, the Esquire Midnight this week is uh, The Room or Rocky Horror Picture Show. Hmm. So I'm going to talk about the following week which is September 1st, they are playing uh, another movie that I just blanked on again. Man. <laughs> another movie I just blanked on. Henry, that's a uh, Norwegian film, isn't it? Is it oh, of course. Yeah. yeah, yes. No, I, I believe Svensson, Jorn Svensson, is the uh, lead star. He's a heartthrob in uh, Norway. It was very close to winning Best Foreign Film in 2003, but 
eagerly lost to that other foreign film that I can't remember right now because I <laughs> yeah, didn't exactly. think this joke through. <laughs> yeah, but trust me, it was a great one. We all know that one for sure. It was, it was a wonderful film. You know, I mean, it, it wasn't the, the the lives of others or uh, or uh, no. even a crouching tiger, hidden dragon, but it was pretty good. No, of course, yeah. September, or August 31st and September 1st, they're showing Monty Python and the Holy Grail, which is something I should have easily remembered. Ooh, we might not. So, That'd be fun to watch with a with a crowd. Look for that in two weeks. That is a fun midnight, mm, to be yeah. sure. A swallow carrying a coconut. And, uh, yeah, that's what's going on, around, going on around town. Right on. Right on. Um, Henry, how's New York? Oh, it's, it's just... We've had rain, just nonstop, thundering... I woke up one morning to just like an like an emergency alarm going off and like lightning striking my building. And I got up, I was like, "What's going on?" I checked my phone because my phone had like an emergency alert going on. I was like, "It's raining," and I was like, "I right, just went back to bed." So you just put your phone down. Well, I'll go back to sleep. You wake up suddenly, it's flooded, and there's an arc like right my, outside. I mean, your like window. I read that alert and it was like, "My apartment's on like the third floor. Like it's not. <laughs> I'll be fine." So. Like, well, <laughs> more is just like if if something if something happens, I die in my sleep. I guess <laughs> this is fine. Everything's fine. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. But anyway, yeah, New York. It's it's great. We had like eighteen films come out like this week for like it was like pretty much anything at Sundance that was too good to be released in April in like that month, but not good enough to be like Oscar contenders. They released them this weekend. So there's like forty films out in New York only in New York right now. Probably the one that won Sundance this year, the, that finally got a release, right? Uh, Cameron Post. Oh, yeah. oh, that one. I'll talk about that. But that one got released here like like a month ago. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, yeah. Oh, right on. Uh, the one that won next. Uh, that that's out this week. That I did not, have not seen yet because I've heard it's very problematic. But I'll I'll give you my thoughts whenever I see that. So. <laughs> okay, for sure. Cool. Well, um, what do we want to do next? Do we want to spin some real news? No, let's uh let's get those DVD and Blu-ray releases out of the way. Alrighty then. DVD releases and Blu-rays. Uh, well, uh, the big release of the week is Deadpool two. Uh, you can get that in 4K, uh, Steelbook 4K from Best Buy, uh, regular Blu-ray. I'm sure there's a DVD copy out there somewhere for all you people who haven't upgraded yet. Get with the times, people. Uh, also, um, Ash vs. Evil Dead season three will be coming out um on Blu-ray final season for everyone there so a little disappointing there's not a complete series yet oh we'll get, we'll get one we'll get one stars th- stars I want it now <laughs> no no pudding until you eat your meat uh, that doesn't really work with this um uh some of the uh back releases though um uh kino lobor is putting out deep rising on blu-ray so james will be happy with that um Warner Brother Archive is putting out... Oh, no, it's not Warner Archive. Shout Factory, Scream Factory, I should say, too, is putting out uh, Straight Jacket and The Tingler. Uh, if you've never seen The Tingler, uh, it's a wonderful William Castle film with Vincent Price saying Tingler a lot. Um, and you have to participate in the film by screaming very loud. It's awesome. Um, on the Shout Factory front, too, we also have Wild at Heart, the Nicolas Cage uh, movie directed by David Lynch. Um Henry, a fan of Wild at Heart? Uh, it's just more. It's one of its. It's not Mulholland Drive or that. Nah, it's more accessible. So if you're, if so you're not, not a fan of David so Lynch, you might like that one. So it's David Lynch when he's like not trying. <laughs> he's still trying. It's like Blue Velvet level. <laughs> right on. Um, uh, on Criterion front, um, they are reissuing Heaven Can't Wait, the uh, Heaven Can Wait, the Ernst Lubitsch film uh, in Blu-ray form. So you can finally get uh, that uh, film added to your Criterion collection. Um, also on uh, 4K front, you can get the Jack Ryan collection, which includes all the Jack Ryan films, including uh, Jack Ryan Data Analyst, uh, which is a little nod to when we reviewed... Um, Chris Pine's turn in the character. Um, and then, yeah. Um, nothing like God's Not Dead 3, A Light in the Darkness. So if you wanted a third affirmation that God's Not Dead. Oh, you can get the three movie collection of God's Not Dead as well. The three pack. So uh, if you guys were looking for that, then there's your uh, there's your opportunity to know that God's Not Dead. Yeah, that's it pretty much on uh, Blu-ray. 
Oh wait, no, I'm sorry. One uh, this year's uh, release, first performed with Ethan Hawke, uh, the new Paul Schrader film is coming to uh, Blu-ray as well. So uh, I've heard that's really, really good. Um, I have not seen it yet, um, but I've been told I will like it. So cool. Yeah. All right. Let's. What's going on? Let's, un- let's unspool some real news. It's real news. Um, we'll get the uh, uh, sad news out of the way. Um, uh, James Gunn will not be rehired by Disney. They're standing by their decision. As reported by Variety, They ha- J- James Gunn had a meeting with Alan Horn, but it was more of a courtesy meeting at this point. Like They were going to stand by their decision regardless. So, yeah, looks like um, whatever Guardians of the Galaxy 3's... Uh, trajectory is now extremely delayed because it doesn't even sound it doesn't even sound like from this article that they're going to use his use his script uh, like un, un, untarnished you know like they're going to rewrite this thing so um so yeah so it looks like James Gunn's going to have to uh take one of those many many offers he's getting from other studios that uh, uh to make another movie I Maybe. have strong doubt that he's actually going to like, because there's a lot of people like, oh, he'll join DC. I have very strong doubts that'll happen. I don't think I th- he wants. I don't. He, yeah. I think he has too much class for that. Like, I don't think he's gonna be like, fuck you, Marvel, then go direct Green Lantern Corp. But uh, <laughs> I think like I th- it'll be interesting to see where he goes from here. Because uh, I mean, I don't know. It'll just be interesting. So no, it does. And also, sound li- I can oh, definitely see them going like in. I don't know if they're gonna delay uh, Guardians. I think they'll. It, I mean, because I mean, we also just we don't know when Guardians is gonna be released at all, even with James Gunn. So it's it could be like it's on track still, uh, but I mean who knows? We'll see. I honestly just don't know who they would get to be the director and have it be successful. Like at this yeah. point, I can't imagine being a Disney executive and thinking that film will be nearly a success. Like I think that film's in the same boat as Hans as the solo film was last year for them. And so yeah, that that's that's kind of the the comparison I had in my mind reading the news that they weren't going to rehire him is like well. I mean, like, people will go see it, and knowing Disney, they'll make it, like, a watchable film, but, like, it won't be on par quality or even uh, monetarily-wise with the uh, first two in terms of how much it makes, because I feel like there's enough bad blood in this whole situation that some people will just, like, shut off from it. But I don't know. Like, interesting to so, see if Dave Batista stands by his uh, pledge to break his contract. Yeah, and if that and if that happens, that's a whole other can of worms that that gets opened in the legal department. So, again, like, but I don't know. Like, I thought no one was going to go see Solo because everyone was like buzzing bad about it, and I mean, it didn't do like Last Jedi business or Rogue One business, but it did 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 fine. You it know? did pretty so. poorly, I would say. I mean, not great, like. But not they, like like I'm not talking like it lost that studio millions and millions of dollars. Like if there's any loss in there, it's like the smallest loss for that company in comparison to everything else they have coming out. So um, I don't know. Did you see Wrinkle in Time? That was pretty bad. <laughs> so, um, um, I mean, I don't know. I can't wait to see Ron Howard's Guardians of the Galaxy three. It'll be an <laughs> interesting time. Oh my God, Clint Howard can be an alien. It's gonna be awesome. Oh, it'd be great. Oh, just you watch. Oh. Let's replace Sean Gunn with, Cl- with him. So Sean Gunn, no, no, Sean Gunn with. Uh, wait, yes, Sean Gunn with Clint Howard because c- of the brother motif, and your villain will be Christopher Plummer. Because let's just get all the replacements in while we're at it. Um, so yeah, um, that's unfortunately not going to be rectified or anything. But so it goes in the movie business. Um. Onto the theater going business. Uh, Movie Pass is being sued by its shareholders after a huge quarterly loss. <laughs> I mean, yeah. This, yeah. this fucking, this fucking company. <laughs> I don't know. I'll tell you. Because I finally canceled my service. Like, really? Really? Ago. Yeah. Oh, wow. Because uh, it got to be the point. Because, like, I have been a defendant of Movie Pass since the beginning. Because I've saved so much fucking money with this pro- process. And I loved it. I loved it up until the end. And the end came swiftly and hard, but basically what, what ended up happening for you? was like, from my perspective, the, the whole Mission Impossible weekend happened, where it's like you couldn't get tickets that one day, and I was like, "Fuck it, I don't care, I'm, I'm on set, so it's fine." And the next day, like it was like you can get tickets, but just not to that movie. And I was like, "All right, I'll go see Teen Titans," and I did that. 
Uh, and then it just got, and then every day it seemed like it would get worse and worse until eventually it was like, like the two days before I canceled, it was like, Hey, do you want to see Slenderman? Cause that's all we're going to let you see. Um, that was the only movie you could see with movie pass. And I was like, no, I don't, I don't want to see Slenderman. And I was thinking that like, <laughs> once on, they, they're going to revamp it. So it's like, you can see three movies a month with it. And I thought, all right, well I'll do that to see like the three movies that are not like at AMC and I'll get AMC a list. Uh, and then they released a thing that was like, nope, we're sticking with this thing where it's, uh, we're going to pick three films a month that you're allowed to see. And it's going to be Slenderman, the spy who dumped me and another film you've never heard of. And I was like, well, this isn't worth my time or money. So I canceled and I joined yeah. A-List and it's been great. So fuck you, MoviePass. You ruined the so one good thing in my life. So you've had it for two years? One year. It's, it, uh, it's been, it was, it's been one year since it's been out now. Okay. So, so you've spent what? It's, I think it's 90 bucks for a year. 90 bucks for a year. But I have, I did the math, like not recently, but I did the math around like a month before I canceled. And I've saved around seven hundred dollars with it. Wow! Wow! Because I, I, because tickets in New York cost twenty bucks for just like a standard two D small screen, uh, and uh, and I see like a movie in theater like every other day with movie pass. I saw a movie in theater every other day, and so nice. Well, because of you and other like minded people, uh, the, for as of four days ago, the company's stock closed at a value of five cents a share. So. Um, it, yeah. And the, the, the suit, uh, in question by the shareholders is that the company had misled the shareholders in regarding the company's business and its prospects, which I don't really feel bad for these shareholders cause they should have just read the news or even more importantly, heard the idea of movie pass <laughs> to be, fa- to be fair. <laughs> I have, I have stock in movie pass still, <laughs> um, because back when it got really bad, I was like, "Sure, I'll buy ten. I'll buy ten cents worth of shares." Henry, you're, did. You're, you're in New and York, and maybe one day it'll be. I'll be worth billions. Henry, Probably not. But like, you're in New York though, right now. You're how far are you from? You're not near. You're not near Wall Street, obviously. But like, oh, you're God, in New no. York. You're near. You're in New York. You hear that news, and you just decide to repeat the Black Friday, the Black Tuesday. Of crash of the stock market by falling off the building. <laughs> I just want to say that I probably helped that company through one more day with my ten cents that I gave them. <laughs> so, can you go down to the New York Stock Exchange and just take some video of the stock ticker with Movie Pass's number just going down for us? Yeah, sure, I can do that. Sweet. <laughs> also, do me a favor, just go in there and start saying sell, 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 sell. No, not for any particular stock. Just say sell, 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 sell. Buy low, I'm pretty sell sure high. I'll cause the economy to crash. Those people are fucking insane. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my god. Um, in more financial end of the news, uh, Kevin Spacey's new movie only made 126 dollars on its opening day. Um, okay, yeah, okay, yeah. Here's <laughs> that's what it made box office wise. They released it in like five theaters. Yeah, uh, and yeah. they also released it on VOD predominantly. So that's what it, that's not what it actually made. So. Right. So yeah, of course it's not. <coughs> it was never going to make like a hundred million dollars. But like, they're obviously pointing it out as like, well, this is the last Kevin Spacey movie you're going to see for a while. So and it only made one hundred twenty six dollars. Um, but yeah, I guess like the total, like the two day total is two hundred eighty seven dollars. I just like it when they do stories about movies that only made like hundreds of dollars. Um, but yeah, this is unfair given that it's a VOD platform primarily and all that stuff. But anyway, uh, I, I'd say that's too bad. But he made his choices. Um, we got a tra or not a trailer, but an announcement for a movie coming in uh, February. With uh, Liam Neeson returning to the action fold called Hard Powder. Or Hard Power, sorry, I should say. Hard Power. It should be called Hard Powder, though. Um, uh, and, uh, no, it is called Hard Powder. That's right, I'm bad. Um, but it's a remake of a Norwegian film called Order of Dis- In Order of Disappearance that has Stellan Skarsgård. Um, the, the plot um, is uh, a character named Nels Coxman. Um is a local snowplow, uh, snowplow operator recently named Citizen of the Year um, of his small Colorado ski town. Um, Nell's quiet life w- life with his wife, Laura, played by Laura Dern, is abruptly spinning out of control when their son is unjustly murdered by a local drug cartel, so he takes the law into his own hands. 
and he uses his snowplow driver, apparently. This is a movie I want to see more than anything in the world, and as soon as the trailer comes out, I want to play it multiple times. I, I, I have that much confidence in it. It doesn't matter if it's the dumbest thing in the world. I want Mr. Plow the movie. <laughs> really fucking I mean, to be bad. fair, the director who's directing the American version is also directed the original version, and so it's yeah, that Yeah, kind it of... says that here, and I saw the trailer for the <coughs> original version, and it, it looks pretty cool like and i like stellar skateboard so you know i'm down to like watch that and then compare the two yeah um i've not seen it so i couldn't tell you yeah well then we then we both got to watch it and report back apparently um let's see uh blumhouse says they would like to uh bring the dark universe back from the grave <laughs> this just in blumhouse would like to make money <laughs> yeah blum well <laughs> unlike <laughs> <coughs> Excuse me, can we take that back? Sorry, I'm, I'll read it. Um, Blumhouse wants to uh, do the Dark Universe back. Uh, d- Blumhouse would like to raise the Dark Universe from the grave, according to the headline. So they want to make money. And, you know, they're smart. Like, they could they could actually do the monsters pretty well. I mean, like, I don't know. It, it's it, like, look at the past, like, couple of movies they've done. Like, they're doing okay. So, um, but I think the silence is that only you care about this. I'm just trying to. Give I'm us just mad. I'm just mad because I don't know if, if Brad's gonna do this or not. But I made a funny joke, and then Zach was like, "Let me redo that," and then he stole my joke. So I'm <laughs> done here. So burn. Yeah. No, I'm. <coughs> but anyway, looks like um, that's news. Um. Yeah, uh, we got a picture of Margot Robbie as Sharon Tate. She looks just like her. Okay. I guess that takes us to uh, what we've been watching. So, uh, yeah, this is the stuff we've been watching. Okay, uh, I guess uh, as I'm pulling my list up, I will uh, I will say that like the first one I saw, Cam Post, the one that won Sundance, uh, I will say I was not a fan of it. Um, I thought it was fine. There's just... There was nothing particularly good about it. Well, that's not true. I will say, Chloe Grace Moretz... Okay, I'll start back at the beginning. Uh, the message <laughs> gave the Cameron Post. One, Sundance this year. Uh, it is a gay drama about a high school lesbian girl played by Chloe Grace Moretz, who is then uh, sent to a gay conversion therapy camp, uh, and who, which is ran by John Gallagher Jr., and she just becomes friends with uh, Sasha Lane, if you know those people. Uh, but yeah, it won Sundance... Uh, and uh funny story about this one. I was actually going to do a uh Art House Hustle for because I had tickets for it uh for the Tribeca Film Festival. And that's kind of what I'm doing for uh this now, is that whenever I do go to a festival I do review stuff. Uh but I got my ticket, I got my Uber, which was thirty minutes late, and then my Uber decided to just not take me to the festival. Um he just took me to a different location. Uh and so I didn't see it then. So I was really mad about that. So I walked into this film already having bad memories associated with it, so I'll say that. But, I will say that. It's okay. Chloe Grace Moretz is really good in it. It's probably the best performance I've seen from her in her career. Uh, I've not seen all of her work, obviously, but I've seen most of it. Uh, and uh, it's definitely the, her best performance. Uh, but beyond that, there's really not much else worth noting for it. I think it's just kind of okay. Uh, I'm kind of surprised, honestly, that it won Best Film when I've seen much better films come out from Sundance this year, including Blind Spotting, uh, Monsters and Men, uh, I'm hell even sorry to bother you, I liked more. Um, but anyway, that was like, that. It, it seems like that. <coughs> it seems like that film is getting kind of overshadowed by the Boy Erased movie that's coming out later this year, which hasn't really had a festival presence yet either. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it hasn't been. No one's seen it yet, so I don't know. And also, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's. This one's very indie, whereas it looks like that one has a bigger budget. And it's also made by Joel Edgerton, so he has a bit of, of a backstory. Whereas this film's made predominantly by someone who has no backstory. Uh, but anyway, yeah, I saw that one. Um, I've been, I watched Mind, Minding the Gap was the other one I watched, which is... Uh, I only watched it because on Letterboxd, it's considered like the third best film of 2018 so far, and I've never even heard of it. Uh, it is a documentary on skateboarders. Uh, hmm. That's made by one of the skateboarders. It kind of chronicles... It's like about these three guys who are skateboarding friends since they were like kids. 
and kind of follows them from like 17 to like 20 uh and then like and it's about that but then it kind of gets into the fact that they all come from or are part of like domestic uh abuse houses uh where like their parents are abusive or their their fathers are abusive or in one case they are allegedly abusive uh and it kind of deals with how like they use skateboarding as a way to ex- to like escape that kind of environment uh, it's very well done. It's very. Uh, it's made by one of the guys himself, and so it's, it has this very like friend-based kind of feel to it. Uh, and it's it's very the, the actual cinematography of the skateboarding is actually very well done. Uh, and it's actually if you want to see it, it is a Hulu exclusive or a Hulu original. Uh, and it's uh, I would definitely if you're into if you're into skateboarding or documentaries, I'd check it out. Um, I saw Mile Twenty Two, the uh, new Mark Wahlberg Peter Berg film. Uh, anyone else see that film? No, but you made the right choice. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought so, but like, I didn't even know it was directed by Peter Berg until like Friday. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, like, this film makes no goddamn sense. Uh, it's funny. Uh, break it down. Break it down for was. me. <laughs> uh, basic, basically, the film by Mark Wahlberg's own quote in the film, it is about this team of military people that they call that. When there's a problem, you call the police. And when that fails, you call the army. And when that fails, you call them. Doesn't really make a lot of sense, because if an army can't solve it, I don't know why Mark Wahlberg can. But anyway, um, so, Mark Wahlberg's part of this team. That's him, uh, Lauren Cohan, Ronda Rousey, and four other tough-looking guys. Uh, and so basically, the, the, they have to escort this one guy who's, like, wants asylum, and he... and. The only reason why they're doing it is because he has, like, codes to some bomb, I guess. They never really explain. They're just like, I have codes. And they're like, I guess we're just going to do this now. And so it's about how they escort him to a plane to give him asylum to America and take place all on somewhere in uh, Eastern Europe. Uh, but so anyway, uh, that's the plot of the film. And uh, the problem is that it makes no fucking sense. Because they started the film as a vehicle for Ronda Rousey. Um, back when she was, like, popular and getting like becoming a big thing. Uh, and, and then Entourage the happened. <laughs> and then she immediately was no longer famous, and people stopped caring about her. So they're like, ah, shit. I don't know. Let's make this about Mark Wahlberg now. But the, <laughs> and Which could work. But the problem was they had already shot most of the film with Mark Wahlberg as the antagonist. You what? can't then <laughs> re-edit the film to have him be the nice good guy. Because throughout this entire film, Mark Wahlberg is the fucking worst. <laughs> he, he literally... <laughs> He beats people. He screams at people. He is, he's Mark Wahlberg. And yeah, so it's kind of hard to watch this film and be like, go get him, Mark Wahlberg, when Mark Wahlberg fucking sucks. So and you're so, saying the cinematographer just forgot to turn off the camera after they called cut, and that's what well, the movie is? <laughs> I mean, like, there's parts where it's like, and they try to excuse where, like, everyone else in the team, like, John Malkovich plays, like, their boss. Of course like, he the does. the eye in the sky guy. And people are like, why do we even let Mark Wahlberg do these things? He's like, ah, he, he's Asperger's or something. And then that's the entire explanation <laughs> for it, That's not how Asperger's works. And so, oh yeah, Mile God. 22. It's not good. Um, oh, this sounds terrible. Maybe I have to watch it now. Not like, not, maybe like when it's on VOD or something. <laughs> to be fair, I will say this. Uh, if you're ever in New York, and you want to go see a movie, do not go to the AMC in Times Square, which is where I saw this film. I've seen many films there, because it's the closest one to me. It is the worst theater on the face of the earth. Uh, when I went there, uh, it was like, I'll remind you, this is a rated R film that I saw at 5.30 in the afternoon. So I walk in, and uh, then, it's going fine, it's going fine, everyone's sitting down, it's great. Then, 15 minutes into the film's has been playing, an entire family of six walks in, and two of the six are twin toddlers that are maybe four. And then there's this big reveal kind of things get weird at the end of the film, and I couldn't tell what was happening because both of them were screaming, sobbing the entire time. Probably because the film's hyper-violent. Uh, so yeah, if you're in New York, don't go there. There's other Henry, theaters. Henry, it wasn't that. They just knew the movie was bad, too. Sounds like you're Belmar. <laughs> God. Also, the one another part of it that's unrelated because it, it hasn't affected me yet. Uh, the AMC in Times Square has bed bugs, so just fucking have fun with that, I guess. Oh, wow. Oh. oh my God. Do they have those uh, like uh, cushy seats that like unfold flat? Uh, in the theater I saw it in, yes, but only oh. that one. 
Every other uh, theater, it's required you sit in the, in the spot that you get assigned to you, and some of the chairs have have been ripped open. And so, it's a fun theater. Don't go uh, there. Anyway, oh I also saw Crazy Rich Asians, which is fun and cute. If you like romantic comedy, Is comedies, that a movie sure or just fine. people on the street? Uh, Whoa. What? Whoa. No. Well, I missed something. Yeah. Did Brad make I a racist you, joke? I asked if that was a movie title or people that you just saw in the street. Oh. Oh. Because <laughs> um, you're talking about Times Square. Yeah. Well, I mean, also true. But, uh, yeah, I saw Ra- Crazy Rich Asians, which is fun. If you like romantic comedies, it's fine. I don't. It's a pure making out to be the messiah of our time, but it's not. It's it's fine. It's just cute. So, uh, But it's interesting. If you've read the book, which none of you have, if you've read the book, <laughs> uh, they completely changed the ending in the movie, which is interesting because by changing the ending, they eliminate the possibility of them having a sequel because the entire second book requires them to not be have that ending. But anyway. Do, do they get crazier and richer in the sequel? Uh, kind of. I mean, you're kind of. Um, like, um, when did you read the book? Yeah, when did you? T- <laughs> what? When did you read the book? Uh, it it was it was like nominated for like a lot of awards, for like best book of the year when it came out. So I you read it. A lot of movies. Like, when did you find time fun. to read your book? So, what? You watch a lot of movies. So when did you find time to sit down and read a book? Uh, at midnight when they're no longer showing movies. So. <laughs> <laughs> Do you sleep at all? <laughs> if we want to get into my living habits, uh, it is not good. So. The Skype camera isn't HD, but if if we had that technology and quality, you'd see like bloodshot eyes out of Henry, just like a lack of sleep. <laughs> you can see my face. Up. It's like bright red because I have very low blood sugar. <laughs> um, I plan anyways. on seeing it at some point, but like, it's definitely worth a watch. Uh, it's just like I don't know. People are like, this is the greatest film ever made. It's not. It just it, it's really cool because like one of the first. It's the first film since like the '90s have a primarily Asian cast, and so it's interesting for that regard. And everyone does a fine job, but it's yeah. just I don't know. It's just fine. It's cute. See it I if like, you want. I, I used to love rom coms, and I yeah, if you like rom coms, you like so. it. Yeah, but I, maybe I'll check it out. Yeah, and. uh yeah, I think that's pretty much everything I saw that's worth mentioning. I mean, I see it a lot, but nothing none, nothing else really worth talking about. I watched more Godzilla films. The one I watched today was on Jet Jaguar, which is the pinnacle moment where Godzilla stopped being a good series. Uh, and so eventually, you'll read about that in part four. Pro- no, pro- probably part seven, maybe. Part three will be coming out soon. But yeah, cool. that's what I watched this week. Awesome. All right, Zach, what did you watch this week? Uh, not a whole lot. Um, I uh, I rewatched Back to School with Rodney Dangerfield because um, it's on Prime. Uh, <laughs> that movie's still fucking funny. Um, it's uh, I I love the ad that uh, Rodney Dangerfield's character uh, has for the uh, um, clothing store that he runs at the beginning, and he's just like I like he's asking the audience, "Are you fat?" And he's just like, "When you go to the zoo, do the peanut do the zoo, do the elephants throw peanuts at you?" <laughs> or uh, like uh, it's just a bunch of crazy lines. Um and Robert Downey Jr. in that movie, I forgot that he plays like the like the stereotypical like on campus uh like activist type of character and whatnot and like everything he does is super radical. He he's wearing pink hair at one point. It's it, it's it's pretty fun to watch all those guys from back in the day like just doing their shtick before they either change careers or in the case of Dangerfield and Kinnison die. <laughs> but um and Kinnison's thing in um. Uh, Kinnison's uh, bit as the history teacher who's talking about Vietnam is still pretty fucking funny. Um, uh, but yeah, so back to school is fun. Um, I rewatched Robin Hood Men in Tights because it's turning 25 this year, and I'm like, I like that movie, so I'm going to rewatch that movie. And it's still fucking funny. Um, I, I, I still maintain from a couple weeks ago the only joke that doesn't hold up is when Dave Chappelle has to pump his shoes to fight the bad guys because we don't have those anymore. <laughs> um, and... Um, but yeah, and it's it's fun how that movie like people love like there's you either love two Carrie Elwes movies like you love them both but you like love one more than the other. I feel like sometimes like so a lot of people love Princess Bride and I like Princess Bride, but Robin Hood Men in Tights is my favorite like of the two Carrie Elwes swashbuckler movies. So it's not that I don't like Princess Bride, just I I, I have more fun with Robin Hood Men in Tights. Um, uh. 
But on the Mel Brooks front, I actually got Shout Factory put out this collection of um, a five disc, uh, five disc DVD set of a collection of Mel Brooks stuff. So it's not his movies. It's like a lot of like the like kind of stuff he did outside of film. Um, that's like it was like sort of these. There's these beer commercials he did in like the '60s. There's talk show appearances he did where he did like different characters and stuff. Did like different stand-up routines he used to do in the Catskills, and then just later in general, um, music videos, all these things. So they collected them into this big, nice book set. Um, uh, and they also did a five-part documentary um, where it's just a, it's an interview series where they sit down with Mel and talk about each of his films. And so they do. I think it's about an hour per part um and it spans over the five disc set so it's really cool to um listen to mel talk about especially his first two films which are the producers and the 12 chairs uh, most specifically because he doesn't talk about the 12 chairs a lot which is a really really fucking good film um that is not like the super laugh out riot that like a blazing saddles or young Frankenstein is. Um, but it's a wonderful story based off of a, a Russian novel about trying to find a, a sack of jewels sewed inside of one of 12 chairs after the Russian revolution. It's a, it's a, it's a wonderful film. I, I need to rewatch it. Like, but I watched it a shit ton in high school. Cause it was just, it was the one Mel Brooks movie that like I needed to figure out somehow. And then when I finally figured out like, Oh yeah, it's just, it's it's this it's the heartwarming one. <laughs> it's it's the one that doesn't necessarily have to be too wacky. Um but there's also some really cool uh to, like I said, tonight show clips and stuff like that. They have his music video for To Be or Not To Be where he does a Hitler rap and it's hilarious. Um and uh there's um there's also some a documentary on uh him and Carl Reiner talking about the creation of the two thousand year old man sketch, which is really fun listening to Carl Reiner talk about it. Um, cause it was like the concept was developed by Carl Reiner as a sketch that they were going to do for your show of shows. And all he did was pitch a question to Mel in the writer's room of your show of shows and just Mel responded. And then that's how the bit was born. Um, it also has the HBO special where Mel Brooks and Dick Cavett talk on stage for an hour and it's hilarious. And Dick Cavett ends up being funnier than Mel at a lot of points, uh, and Carl Reiner shows up at one point to tell the 2,000-year-old man story. And he's just in the audience as if he's supposed to ask a question like an audience member from the Q&A. But instead, he's just standing there for 15 minutes. Um, it's pretty solid, pretty fun. Um, if you love Mel Brooks, I would uh, definitely try to check that out. Um, and then the last thing that I watched was uh, I dug into my In the Mouth of Madness uh, Blu-ray from Shout Factory, Scream Factory. Um, that movie still fucking rocks. Um, if you've never seen the movie, it's, uh, Sam Neill plays an insurance investigator who's, uh, hired by a book company to track down an author named Sutter Kane, who's like bigger than Stephen King. And the whole movie is like a mind fuck that also plays as a commentary on like apocalypse by, by the status of the culture. And, um, it's fun. I, I enjoy it. It's a, it's a really good John Carpenter film. Like, He's having a lot of fun in that movie as a director, you can tell, because he's, like, doing some, like, weird, messed up stuff with editing, music, sound effects, and stuff like that. So it it just seems like it's, like, a fun time for him. And Sam Neill's great in it. Um, he, uh, there's a, the, 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 it's one of the f coolest costume designs I've ever seen on a character is, like, he's, he's in on a hospital gown and it's all covered in black crayon uh, markings of crosses. And then all over his face, he's drawn black crosses on his, like, all over his face and arms and stuff like that. And, and when I was watching it today, I was just like, I kind of want to do that for Halloween. <laughs> See? Like, because even if nobody knew what it was referencing, it'd still be like a crazy costume. So, um, but yeah, that's uh, all I watched this week. I guess I'll go. Mm -hmm. Uh, so the Alamo is doing, uh, showing all the Rocky films as double features, uh, uh, this week, but unfortunately I can only go to the first and second one, uh, which I watched and, uh, those are, uh, like really nice to watch in a theater with a crowd. Cause, um, you've, it's amazing to see old movies that just render an audience silent mm -hmm. because they're just so enthralling. Um, 
shows that they stand the test of time and all that yeah. stuff. Yeah, and I'm one of those people who doesn't think, like, the Rocky trilogy, like, changes in quality that much. Um, but it is weird to, see, like, seems very... Uh, a little devoid of drama like uh he, he does go from like you know he 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 spends all his money then loses it all and then has to fight again and then wins um so i don't know if it's just like after watching rocky which is very slow paced until mm-hmm. you get to the very end um and then you know all the sequels are very a lot like a lot faster paced um and then um two i remember two being more episodic than anything else like yeah it's kind of moment by moment it, it's fine. All the all the sequels jump around more, whereas uh, the first Rocky, like you get in a scene and it just it breathes, and you're like you're you're, stu- you're stuck in there. And you're, you're sitting with those characters yeah. a lot more. Did, I'm um, sure they showed like a four. Did they they never restored that in 4K, did they? Yeah, it's in the set you actually have because I've been waiting for the 4K version to buy the whole set. I have a, yeah, I haven't picked up the uh, um, uh, or I haven't watched the set yet, but yeah, I bought but, it was when it was on sale at Best Buy. So, but the, it's only the first one they they mastered in 4K. So, well, yeah, <laughs> uh, Rocky Five in 4K. <laughs> well, I just have the DVD version. There's like a scene where like the compression's really bad. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'd like to. <laughs> get away from that quality yeah uh, no, absolutely but there was one thing um in four like in one and two uh um apollo creed you know punches rocky in the face so much that like his eyes are all puffy and like he has to get cut and everything yeah in rocky four presumably the strongest man in the world hyphen drago punches rocky way more than apollo creed ever did in the face and He's sort of bruised <laughs> afterward, mm-hmm. so that was a little like yeah no. He, but, well, Stallone was directing, and he's yeah. like, no, they gotta see my face. But I do love how Five like takes him back down and like back into um, his life before his, all the fame and his street roots. Yeah, yeah. Because um, <laughs> uh, like uh, sitting through three and four, like seeing him in, like in a mansion, like wearing suits and stuff, and just like f- after just watching. You know the first rock. You just you just feel so out of place, and then it it's. I feel like the, I feel like that when I watch Creed, not necessarily Five. But I feel like that when I watch Creed or um, even Rocky Balboa. Like yeah, he's got money, but it doesn't it necessarily show yeah. in the way it shows in three and four. Yeah. Um, but in in Creed also he's looking older, so that's kind of helping my perception. So yeah. The other movie I watched was uh, one of my Scream Factor or Shout Factory DVDs that I bulk bought, and that was Robo Jocks or Robot Jocks. Robot Jocks. Yeah, which is is it, sort is of it, confusing. Oh, I thought it was going to be actually really amazing? confusing. Amazing as it sounds is what I wanted to hear. Yeah, the, even like the trailer looks amazing, but um, it, it could easily be a Mystery Science Theater watch. <laughs> um, so what I gather is so there's these gladiatorial mechs like pacific rim mm. um that it's russia versus america and they're fighting over alaska and its resources so they have these robot glad like they're the people in the suits are called jocks mm-hmm. um and they fight but in the opening fight the main american contender um in order to save they have spectator bleachers um <laughs> outside in the nevada desert that they're they're going like they're fighting uh these with these robots um jumps in front of the fist missile that the russian robot shoots out um he deflects it but he also falls over into the stands and kills a bunch of people (laughs) and so he gets traumatized by it and vows to never fight again um but then there's a female gladiator that's been genetically engineered to fight Mm. And for some reason, he doesn't like that idea. Like, um, <laughs> he's also a Star Wars fan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so he comes out of retirement just to ruin her chances at fighting. Um, and then I got lost again, and they team up, sort of, or he fights in her place, and he's sort of in love with her. Um, and then they fight the Russian one again and at the end they they become friends it this sounds this whole plot sounds like it was (laughs) no i was gonna say it sounds like a a bot wrote an incel love story but 
Yeah. And then there's um there's I've seen this in so many of the mystery science theater sci-fi movies that they review. There's like one of the it's the future and there's like all these tech guys, right? But in the in the lab or the mission control, there's the Texas guy. So he's got the 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 jumpsuit, the science jumpsuit, but he's wearing, you know, the Dallas hat. <laughs> and he's got the really thick Texas accent and surprise surprise He's the one who's been sabotaging the the matches, uh, and he frames it on the Asian guy. Um, <laughs> does he does he murders take, him? Does he take off the lab coat to reveal it's actually a business suit? No, <laughs> he's in the lab coat the whole time. But once he does get caught for murdering the Asian guy and framing him, um, he's like, "You'll never catch me!" And like brushes off his two captors, and then just jumps out a window to his death. <laughs> it's like they're gonna take him away to execute him. <laughs> like and he was like, on. "I'm gonna escape." To kill myself, <laughs> like Hitler on Danger Five. <laughs> yeah, there's much. a uh, there's a French avant-garde film called Mister Freedom, which is a film about an American superhero who like it's like a James Bond film, but like a superhero, uh, and it's all about like the whole point. It's this ridiculous film about how America views itself and it kind of being like anti-imperialism and that and how that view. But it sounds like the exact same thing of like where it's like this is what America thinks it is, like, and so yeah. yeah. Like the amazing thing is like the the robot, the mechs and everything. Like that's the cool part. Like they're stop motion animated and like they look like they're in the real world. And mm-hmm. um, you know, in Pacific Rim, it's like it looks like a matte painting that they're composited onto, and they like, in sort of in three D. But this feels like they built a huge room to like put an elevator in, like put the guys up in the mechs for um so and it was i think it's from 89 and 90 so it looks like a movie from the 70s but it came out in late 89 and 90 so i was like wow um no no i just like it just this sounds like not even just an mst3k episode this is like a how did this get made like this is like yeah. th- for Henry and I, this is a we hate movies episode. <laughs> like, this sounds this just just sounds too much fun. It's on Shout too. That's yeah, the Shout Factory Collector's Edition. I didn't get into the bonus features yet, but um, <laughs> yeah, let we'll them explain though. themselves. <laughs> the film quality looks great, <laughs> like the transfer, um, and yeah, the, the production de- design though, like not so much. Yeah. Um, and the last thing I saw was a midnight movie this week. Uh, I'd never seen, I know what you did last summer. Ah, um, not a, not a scary movie, but it was definitely a fun whodunit (laughs) with an unsatisfying result. (laughs) I mean, that's kind of, well, yeah, like that's how like that era of like horror films was. It was more mystery than anything. Like, except anything like Final Destination, where it's like, it's not really scary. It's more of just like trying to figure out what the fuck is happening. Yeah. Mystery and teens who know too much. (laughs) Like, even when they do get all slashy, it's almost, like, censored. Yeah. Like, when Sarah yeah. Michelle Gellar gets it, she just ends up being buried in tires. Well, I'm pretty sure it's a PG-13 release, isn't it? I thought it was, I thought it was rated R. Because they say fuck they, a bunch in it. Oh, then, then, then I'm wrong. Um, I remember it. I, I remember it being the, like, one I've watched the least of that, like, 90s teen run and whatnot. But Yeah, I guess it's been 20 years. So, I just, like, so Jennifer Love Hewitt and a bunch of her friends... <laughs> Her character is Julie James. They're in a North Carolina fishing town. Mm-hmm. And then um, while they're partying on the 4th of July, they run over a dude. Um, and the two guys that they're with are like, well, we don't want to go to jail for this. You know, um, the cops won't believe it was an accident. So we're going to dump him in the in the ocean. <laughs> and he wakes like the body wakes up just as it's getting dun- dunked in the ocean. And then he's like floating down there jason Voorhees style <laughs> but doesn't bother to swim back up um so that's weird that's how i hope i die by the way guys like a bunch of teenagers run me over and decide it's not best to report it to police yeah just roll you over. <laughs> they don't know who it is and so they take care of that and then you know a year goes by and then julie james starts getting letters so i know you what you did last summer ah the title and so the rest of the movie is whoever this person is starts just screwing with them. Like he doesn't even murder them to begin with. And for some reason they murder their friend who wasn't involved with it at all. Um, they should then start <laughs> the sending him right, right. letters of say, I know what you did yesterday. What's yeah. that? What they should do is just reply to the letter saying, I know what you did yesterday, which is totally also. <laughs> yeah. Not just cool, scare the so. shit out of them. Yeah, no, that's a, 
That's a plot hole that needs to be filled in this movie. Yeah, and then, uh, like, there's at one point, uh, that that guy that does get murdered is in the back of Julie's trunk with mm-hmm. a bunch of crabs, and she runs to Sarah Michelle Geller's house, presumably, uh, like, a, maybe a five-minute <laughs> run, comes back, and the trunk is empty, and the, all the crabs are gone, like, in broad daylight, in the middle of a neighborhood. Like, how did the killer do that? I can I can I can see they're getting put into the trunk overnight, but uh Well, I mean it's the same question you can ask multiple times with it. It's just like, well, yeah, he's still alive. Why don't he just swim? Is was he that badly hurt? Was his bones that broken? I mean Yeah. And I was hoping it was someone like closely related, like it would have been fun if it actually was a Freddie Prince Jr.'s character had been like overwrought with guilt or something and uh because they make a big deal about like everyone being separated for that whole year. Mm-hmm. Um, like that would have been more interesting than, oh, it was this fisherman guy who we never saw his face in the ori- in the beginning, and he is the villain. But he's you know, like, never really been around town the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, and then the bodies in the ice in his boat, like, <laughs> like they don't look like <laughs> the stars of the movie at all. Um, they look like mannequins. Cheap molding. Is yeah. it? Is it- Sony that did this film. I can't remember if it's Sony or something else, but but the cliffhanger is pretty good. So like I'm kind of like I'm hoping to s- find a way to watch the next one because I don't know <laughs> I how. Still they, know what you did last summer. I don't know how she gets out of the uh, the end of it. Yeah, yeah it's you, one you of know, the best trilogies ever made. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll always yeah I'll always know what you did last summer. <laughs> Wait, really? There's three of them? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's actually the title of the third one. Yeah, I'll, I'll always, always know what did you did last summer. Yeah. How did I miss that? Well, it's, yeah. I think it was direct. It was not theatrical. It was a direct DVD thing. It has the same people in it. Oh, oh I don't God, think no. so. I'll, think, I'll look it up right now. It's <laughs> not really. It came out like almost a decade the after people. the first one. Yeah, maybe just Freddie Prinze. What else is he doing? Maybe. Mm. And uh, uh, excuse yeah, you, he had he he had all that Scooby Doo money. He was fine. <laughs> <laughs> he just sits there counting it every day. Thank God for that talking dog. And then there's that part where um, Ryan Phillippe is getting chased by his own car through the through like the populated main street or whatever and it crashes into him and the killer stands over him and then just goes to black and he wakes up in the hospital <laughs> like perfect opportunity to kill him right there but nah i just want to watch him squirm like a worm on my hook <laughs> and it doesn't seem like he blacked out it just seems like we just left the scene as an audience so it's like why doesn't ryan know where that guy went who was standing over him um yeah, so weird. Anyway, um, that's why I watched this week. I just want to point out, I looked it up. None of the original cast are in the third one. Oh, uh, what a shock. <laughs> but what I did find out that I thought was interesting, the director of All Always Know What You Did This Summer is the same guy who directed Slender Man <laughs> last oh. week. He's so, still getting work, guys. We're okay. Oh, my God. It's really called I'll Always Know What You Did Last Summer? Yeah. Yeah. Because I was sitting in the theater going, like, what would the third be? And I came up with that title. <laughs> Great minds think alike, yeah, right? I think the fourth one would have been like, I sort of know what you did last summer. <laughs> anyway. The fifth one's, I'm getting a little fuzzy on what you did last summer. Yeah. <laughs> According this to week. Letterboxd, everyone who's in the film, it's their most famous film. So. <laughs> <laughs> this week on Real Nerds Podcast, we watched Eighth Grade. Henry, should people watch Eighth Grade? Uh, I have a lot of thoughts about this film. Uh, and I also say that I'm around a month removed, uh, so it's been a little bit. But yeah, I think it's really good. I think you should see it. So yeah, Zach. Uh, yeah, uh, this is uh, this is a really good film. It's also the best horror movie uh, in years, the scariest horror film in years. And we'll talk about why I say that uh, after the trailer. Uh, yeah, this movie is the most like the movie that's made me the most like clawing at my own skin. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it's so awkward, mm-hmm. um, in parts, and that it, obviously intentional. Um, and it's a it's a sweet story. It's a little slice of life glimpse, yeah. uh, into the world of eighth grade. That uh, even as a thirty six year old man, um, I was invested in. So, um, people should go see eighth grade. And here's the trailer. Hey guys, uh, it's Kayla back with another video. So. The topic of today's video is being yourself. Being yourself can be hard, and it's like, aren't I always being myself? And yeah, for sure. But being yourself is like not changing yourself to impress someone else. A lot of people like call me quiet or shy or whatever, but I'm not quiet. Most quiet, Kayla Day. 
I don't talk a lot at school, but if people talk to me and stuff, they'd find out that I'm like really funny and cool and talkative. By the way, I like your shirt a lot. It's like so cool. What? said one more week of eighth grade, right? Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, huh? Okay, so growing up can be a little bit scary and weird. We will begin to explore these changing bodies of yours. It's gonna be lit. As always, make sure to share and subscribe to my channel, Gucci. I think you're so cool. Maybe you just need to put yourself out there a little. I'm gonna stop eating with you if you keep doing this. You said I could say one thing. I'm really like nervous all the time. I try really hard not to feel that way, but you just need to face your fears and let people know they're really you. Just grab my phone, how to charge it. Yeah, I mean, sometimes I charge it too. But my, my phone, I... Just because things are happening right now doesn't mean they're always gonna happen. What was in there? Just sort of my hopes and dreams. Right. I was a complete mess when I was your age. Really? Eighth grade is the worst. You never know what's next. And that's what makes things exciting and scary and fun. When did you get Snapchat? What grade? Fifth grade. Fifth grade? What? Yo, see? Yeah, and for all the reasons that you stated, that's why I was like, and I say that jokingly, like it's, it's, it's uncomfortable at so many moments. There's very little room where you breathe between awkward like situations of any type in any situation. Like there is at least at minimum three moments. That's the minimum that you can at least relate to on the purest emotional level, just on having grown up period like it's not it's not related to like like these are just problems in general um and this 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 little girl kayla goes through them all like within the span of her final week of eighth grade which seems like bo burnham instilling torture but um but yeah no the movie is it's 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 a very thoughtful film too it's not i like that it's not um what do you call it like very it, it's not afraid to shy away from where a certain scene might cut away in a bigger film um, or a high school film. Like I always think high school films tend to be a little bit more like fantasy films as well, because they delve into like, well, what would we want high school to be? And this is the one high school film that I've seen or like, or like middle school or high school film, whatever, like young person film that I've seen in a long time where, they're, they don't it doesn't feel like they're lying to that they're lying to about the situation like everything that happens in there is like the the result is the same like there's there's disappointment for how much up uplift there is in any given moment like the moment she um makes the friend at the high school when she's shadowing her at the high school um there's an uplift in that because she's made a friend like or like she thinks she's made a friend and she thinks she's gonna figure this all out and then the following scene after that is like the most awkward and even the most like scariest of the entire film in my opinion um uh but yeah i mean and i i i don't know if i saw the whole film as a whole like i saw 80 percent of it and then the rest of the 20 percent was me looking down at my my table or like shying away with my eyes because I'm just like oh, I just don't want to I just don't want to look at the result here like there's too much embarrassment going on. So, yeah, I, I had to look away from the screen sometimes. I was just like so. Yeah, it's it's she's giving a really good performance to this. Um, what's her Elsie Fisher or something like that? She's solid in this flick and and it's clear that Burnham, who I've never seen anything of his prior to this like i've never seen his youtube videos his stand-up specials anything like that so if this is what he has to offer in just like a debut film and whatnot i clearly need to sit down and watch something of his because he he gets it he nails it like to a t like it's not like it, it obviously it's most relatable if you're like a like an adolescent girl but 
you know, there's like there's awkwardness he presents about like guys in there too, like the the kid who's um who she becomes friends with at the end. Um, like he kind of plays on that awkwardness of like trying to talk to anyone, boy or girl or whatever. Um, he also has the most adorable scene where he's like offering up like as many like chicken McNugget sauces as possible because he doesn't want to be rude and only offer one. <laughs> so, um, Henry, what did you think of it? You had a bunch of thoughts. Uh, yeah. So basically, uh, going off of what Zach said, um, I also be the residential Gen Zer, uh, but uh, basically. Uh, if you're, I don't know, I followed Bo Burnham's career since, like, kind of his inception, like, way back in the day, back when mm-hmm. I was in, like, elementary school, um, and, uh, I will say that I don't like him, like, <laughs> I don't like his humor, I don't like any of his work, I, I honestly can't stand really anything he's done, uh, and so, and the trailer did not do anything for me either, so I was like, I actually, I remember I... The day I saw it, it was, like, opening day in New York, and I told my roommate, like, I'm going to go see this movie that I'm going to hate. Because I was like, I'm going to go into it, I'm going to walk up and be like, it was fine, but I don't like it at all. It's going to be a ladybird situation for me. Or a La La Land situation for me. And then I w- got back, and my roommate was like, what do you think? I was like, it's the best film. <laughs> it's so good. I was really surprised how good it is. It's very <laughs> not like the rest of his work. Um, if you want another, if you want, like, an, an identifiable thing that Bob Bonham's done... He has his own uh, Netflix TV show called American Vandal that's like a parody of Making a Murderer. Yeah, Ryan was watching it. Uh, so if you want more of his stuff, there's that. He also had an MTV show for a little bit that people liked. And then, if, if I mean, his stand-up specials are the things you need to watch if, you're, if you want to see more of him. But uh, but yeah, I just want to say, like, if, you're, if you don't like Bo Burnham and you did not like the trailer... You might like this film, because I liked this film quite a bit. I thought it was very heartwarming. I cried twice in the film. I thought it was very nice. Uh, the dad character, Zach didn't mention too much, uh, and he stole the show in my oh, yeah. screening and what I loved. Uh, pretty much every part with him I thought was amazing. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, I mean, it's interesting. There's been also a lot of talk about, like, because this film was rated R uh, for yeah, many that... reasons. Um, and I a lot of people are like, harsh. it shouldn't be rated R. It should be PG-13 so people in middle school can actually see it. I'm on the flip side. I'm going to be contrarian to this. I don't think... I think this film works better if you've already been through it. If you're currently going through it, I don't think you will... I don't think the film will really affect you as much. I think the film is really designed for people who have already gone through this experience. And I, and I talked to my sister, who saw it as well. And she'll be graduating high school this year. And she she thought as well, where it's like, it, it wouldn't be helpful if if you saw it as you were going through it, it's a lot more, it's a lot better to see it as someone who's already gone through it and to be able to think like, okay, it wasn't just me essentially. No, that, uh, that, that's actually a valid point in like, I, I, I don't necessarily agree with you on it, but I, it was a point that I brought up to Brad when we were discussing it afterwards was like, even if it's not helpful, would someone of that age see the film as like making fun of their generation rather than being like a helpful tool or even like just a simple like good story they can relate to? I like I I kind of tossed around with that in my mind all day today. I think the answer is it's just it's going to be viewer by viewer basis. Like there's never going to be like a you know like you 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 can't like narrow it down to like oh this this entire section's gonna love it and this entire section's gonna hate it because like as ryan always says like film is subjective so that you can like you know the individual is going to probably appreciate it sometimes more than the, the whole um i will say though that outside of the one scene which is really hilarious um involving uh the father and her discussing whether or not she likes bananas and what happens before oh, yeah. that this film doesn't like necessarily need to be rated r i don't think like that's the only reason i could think why they could slap the r rating on there yeah language but yeah but you know like i've seen them move around a bunch of different ways with language on other films and i think that this this being as low budget as it is and stuff like that there's obviously a bias within mpaa to not give it a favorable rating but I'm sure that obvious, obviously the scene where she's trying to learn that thing on the computer and then gets a banana is, you know... Are, you we, know, are, we, are we not spoiling the film? Is that what we're doing? No, no, I guess we're spoiling a blowjob. Sorry. It, it's a weird yeah. scene. But that's um, the thing. But it's, like, when I saw the film, like, boy, guys, New York is a very liberal city. 
um, and people were doing whatever the fuck they want here. Uh, there were yeah. like, th- there was a family that was at my screening, and like some of the family members were like five. Um, five-year-olds shouldn't be seeing this scene. <laughs> like, should not be going yeah. through this kind of movie. No, yeah, uh, but like that's like a discretion, like at your own discretion thing. But like when, she, so she's trying to find an object that looks like a penis, and she finds the banana, and her father comes in. Um, and they have a discussion like, I thought you didn't like bananas and whatnot. Like the funniest fucking line in the movie happens when she, after she eats the banana and then like vomits it out, she just throws that banana at Jake Williams and just goes, fine, I don't like bananas. (laughs) Like Brad and I were like the only two cracking up at this like outburst of anger. It was so, oh God. Um, but yeah, that father's really fucking good. He's like. He's in that class of uh, on-screen dads who give the best monologue near the end of the movie, um, like whether it's a Michael Stolberg in "Call Me by Your Name" or fucking um, uh, any of the parents in Lady Bird. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'd like to see more of that guy. I don't know if he's been in anything else. Uh, Henry has he? He's been. So, he's very much like an indie, like Sundance actor. He, this is, I think this is the only time he's played like a dad, but like he's been in a lot. Yeah. So uh, Ryan just wrote in saying that he thinks eighth grade was awesome and the dad is amazing and James agreed with it. So yeah, no, I mean, there you go. Yeah. So there you go. He's, 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 he's the breakout star of the film, not the person going through the eighth grade trauma. Um, <laughs> what do we see next week, guys? Um, What's coming out next I... week? Um, there's something coming out. I remember thinking like, oh, that's what yeah. they're going to see. Is it happy time murders? I think oh, that maybe that. Be right. Or Axel. Everyone loves Axel. The Robo-Dog movie. The film that has the exact same plot as Monster Trucks. And it's probably not nearly as fun. <laughs> Monster Trucks, the final film screened in the Obama administration. That's the only factoid I have about that film. Yeah, it looks like it's Happy Time Murders. So. There we go. Hot right on. Uh, no Sesame, All Street, Brian Henson. Entertain me. Um, All right. Well, until next time. Henry? It's been a real nice podcast. Henry, thanks for coming back. Of course. It's a nice, refreshing, short episode as opposed to the four-hour ones I'm usually on. So That's how I like them. <laughs> nice and short. Uh, yeah, let's do it again. All right. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Real Nerds Podcast. Real Nerds Podcast is a production of Nebulous Visions Multimedia. Thank you to Sparks Mandrill and Plan 9 Studios for our kick-ass theme song. Also, if you're in the Denver area and you're looking for a cool place to see movies, we see them at the Alamo Draft House in Littleton and now also in Sloan's Lake. Thank you to Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics for supplying us with all our comic needs, especially you, Andrew. You know who you are. And a big shout-out to James's mom. I'm giving you an electronic hug that you can feel through the airwaves. Thanks for listening, and have a nice day.